0: Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Greg Alexander about the question many companies are asking, why hire employees when you can rent experts on demand? Greg Alexander, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thanks, Jonathan. Good to be here. Yeah, it's great to be with you. I'm excited for this conversation. I think we're going to have a lot of fun. And you, po- as we were preparing for this episode, you posed a really interesting question. Why hire employees when you can just rent experts on demand? And there are so many really cool platforms to be able to do that. So we're going to explore that question together today. Um, we're going to talk about leveraging human capital in a variety of ways through traditional hiring but also through uh, contingent you know contingent workforce and Uh, contract workers, gig economy workers, there are so many really great ways to tap into the human capital that's out there in the labor market and to ultimately help our organization succeed. So that'll be our focus today. As we get started, I wanted to share Greg's bio with everybody. Greg Alexander adds value to members by providing advice, intellectual property, and funding. Prior to starting Collective 54, which he'll talk about here in a moment, Greg accomplished what members are trying to accomplish. He started, scaled, and sold a management consulting firm for nine figures in 10 years. In addition to this role, Greg is the chief investment officer of Capital 54 and is the founder of Lumini. Greg is the author of three books, with the most recent being an Amazon.com bestseller titled The Boutique, How to Start, Scale, and Sell a Professional Services Firm. Also, Greg's podcast with host Sean Magennis. Is that how you say his name? Magennis. Magennis is the most listened to show for owners of boutique professional service firms who are trying to grow scale and exit. A uh, wonderful, so you you uh, are now flipping the the roles and on the other side of the microphone so to speak. It's great to have you on my podcast today. Before we launch into our conversation, anything else you would like to share with listeners by way of your background or personal context?
1: No, I think you captured it really well. I mean, I what I do these days is I invest in Uh, professional services firms. You mentioned two of them, Lumini Network and Collective 54. I do that through my family office called Capital 54. So uh, after 30 years of being an operator, I'm now an investor and I'm on the other side of the desk and it's a wonderful journey. And I look forward to sharing what I've learned so far.
0: Perfect. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. Um, And, you know, it's super interesting to me, you know, as, as I was reading through your bio and learning a little bit more about you and your background, you know this this uh, scaling of a consulting firm, and, and then and then selling it. I mean, that's that's a tremendous thing, and, and many people kind of have that dream of trying to do that themselves. Um, so I, I would love to hear just a little bit more about that as we get into the topic for today. Um, so why don't we start there? Uh, how did you get into this world? How did you get into the consulting work? Uh, how how why and when did you you know decide to sell? Uh, and then let's talk more about the you know traditional employee versus quote unquote renting experts on demand.
1: Sure. So uh, it's my opinion that we're living in the golden era of the professional services industry. Now, why do I feel that way? Well, the pace of change in corporations these days is just incredible, and digital technologies and all of its forms and and uh, versions, is disrupting everybody's business. I mean, what is Um, A priority today becomes a commodity tomorrow and then something comes out of left field and we can just look at the the marketing world, the digital marketing world. I mean every day there seems to be a new platform that pops up that attracts advertising eyeballs and advertising dollars. So if you're a corporation, traditionally you were executing your business plan, you would hire employees. And that would would mean searching for them, recruiting them, onboarding them, training them, making them, them productive and then retaining them, which can take months if not years. Well, if the rate of change is happening so quickly, how do you stay ahead of the curve? So today you hire somebody off a of job spec and the job spec is is uh, obsolete in 12 months. What do you do? So this is what's causing the gig economy to move into high-end white collar work, professional services work, unlike we've never seen before. Traditionally, the gig economy has been things like, you know, DoorDash, Uber, et cetera, but it's moving very rapidly into the professional services space. So more and more companies are doing things like outsourcing all or part of IT services, marketing and advertising, design, legal, accounting, supply chain, you name it. You pick your domain. It seems to be more advantageous for corporations these days to rent expertise on an ad-needed basis. And this is what's creating this golden era for professional services firms. There's so much demand. So if you're a professional services firm provider, it's never been this good, and this is the opportunity—once in a lifetime opportunity, I believe—to scale your firm beyond what has previously been doable, for lack of a better term, and maybe someday, like I did, exit your firm and change your life forever.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's wonderful, and I and I agree. I mean, I think I think the the time is right in terms of the gig economy. We we've seen an upward trajectory. Uh, of of people in that space for quite a while, and it's just been accelerated over the past eighteen months, in large part due to the pandemic um, and and just people getting more comfortable with contingent uh, uh, global diverse workforce um, working remotely. And so now you know there's just all these platforms that can connect people um, where you can find the work that you need. In fact, I just I just rented um, some design work uh, just the other day. Um, uh, that I don't have an in-house designer. Um, I do, you know, kind of the basic stuff myself, but I needed something a little bit more professional high end. And so, you know, there, there's great platforms out there to find people who can just do that for you. I don't need to have someone on staff all the time. Um, and it's, it's economies of scale. It, it, provides them flexibility. You know, people in the gig economy love it because they have the flexibility to do what they love on their own terms. They they're not beholden to any particular employer. Uh, employee, you know, employers and, and businesses love it because they have more flexibility uh, rather than having, you know, the, being, you know, I, I hate to even say it this way, but more hamstrung by kind of a traditional employee uh, relationship. Uh, but it's it's certainly harder, right? When you're when you have a, an employee um, to have that flexibility. And so it's it really can be a win-win.
1: Yeah, I agree 100. And we're seeing that everywhere, and that's why again, I think it's a wonderful time to be in the professional services space. But now, how do you maximize that opportunity? How do you grow your firm? How do you scale your firm? How do you sell your firm at some point down the road if that's what you want to do, for the right price on the wrong at the right terms, and um, you know, in, in the right way? And so, it presents a whole new set of challenges for the for your listeners and watchers that are in the professional services space. You know, the days of running a nice little lifestyle business are going away. Um, it's about scale now because that's how much demand there really is.
0: Yeah. And so, I mean, let's talk a little bit more about the pros and cons of these different approaches to tapping into human capital. Because um, there I mean, there really are um, pros and cons to each approach. What do you see as, you know, when you ask yourself this question and in, in the work that you've done and in, uh, in working with other people as well, when you ask yourself this question, or you're, you're talking with other clients about this similar type of question, when would you say someone should lean towards like actually hiring that part-time or that full-time person as an employee of the organization versus going out to find people on a contract basis um, to do the work that you need done?
1: You know, the, the metaphor that I like to use that will be a good way to answer that question is think of the home building metaphor, right? When you have a construction project, you hire you hire a general contractor. The general contract kind of owns the strategy, so to speak you know, gets the plans from the architect who designed the home and says, okay, here's the project. You know, we're gonna spend the next 12 months building this home and it's gonna be a modern contemporary home on a acre lot and it's gonna be one story with six bedrooms, et cetera, et cetera. So the general contractor is in charge. And I believe that employers should have their, so to speak, general contractor for their function. But then when it comes time to farming out the work, so back to my house analogy, you know, I probably don't have a plumber on staff. I might not have an electrician on staff. I might not have a landscaper on staff. I might not have a roofer on staff. I'm gonna farm that stuff out to my subcontractors, if you will. Now, why am I doing that? Because I don't need a roofer on staff full time. I need a roofer when I need a roofer. And I wanna have a relationship with a high quality roofer that can do the job on time, on spec, on budget. So that's what I think should happen in my opinion. I think corporations are are gonna own strategy if you will they're going to deploy an army of high quality highly capable general contractors and the core skill of those general contractors is to be able to source hire make productive and maintain a relationship an ongoing relationship with these subcontractors because you're not going to use them once you're going to use them multiple times so that's the real skill so if you're somebody inside of a corporation listening to this podcast right now your new requirement your new core capability is your ability to have these relationships with this talent that you can rent from time to time because there is some sourcing cost you know if you're yeah. looking for a needle in the haystack all the time that gets frustrating so when you when you find your needle in the haystack so to speak make sure you treat that needle very well you build a relationship with that needle so that you can rely on that needle down the road when you have a need that's similar to the one you have today
0: Yeah, that's a really, really important point. And I think it's one that's often lost on people when they think of the gig economy and just, you know, working with a contract uh, worker for whatever, they see them as kind of disposable um, oftentimes. And what you're describing, I think is exactly the right approach uh, in contrast to the wrong approach, which is Uh, You know, you got to treat people with dignity and respect. You got to treat them as as people who are valued. Now, obviously, if they didn't work out, if they're not the diamond in the rough, if you know and you don't want to use them again, that's that's one thing. Um, But when you find someone who's good, guess what? Other people are looking for really great people, too. And there's going to be hyper competition to be able to use that person in the future. And so you better treat them well. Otherwise, why would they continue to work with you? Like there's this assumption, I think a lot of times in corporations that we're throwing breadcrumbs out to these starving people who need us and I mean, it's true, like people yeah. who hang their own shingle, they're, they're looking drum, trying to drum up business and they're trying to find opportunities, but those who are really good, those who are really successful, they have plenty of work and they, you know, they, they're, they don't need us as much as we might need them. Um, or at least that's how we should approach it. And so treat them well, treat them like we would any other client, any other employee, um, and if we don't, we're, man, we can really find ourselves in a hard place really quick. The next time we need a quick turnaround on a project and we need that, that really good person we can trust and who we know is going to deliver quality, and, and we don't have it because they're booked out a month and we, you know, we can't get in or, or whatever the case may be. And we have to end up going out to someone else, trying something someone else new, and, and it, you know, it may not work. So, so let's, let's remember our good people and treat them accordingly.
1: Yeah, I agree. You know, in, in this approach, this, I guess we'll call it the gig economy approach, the, the, the general contractor approach. You know, we've been living with this approach for a long, long, long time in other domains, and it's worked for us. But for some reason, in corporate America, it's relatively new. And I, I agree with you. I think the pandemic has put it on the plate. But let's talk about your relationship with your doctor. A doctor is a professional service. The medical practice is a professional service, right? And you go to your doctor, you know, and let's say it's your first visit and you establish a relationship and the doctor runs some tests and starts collecting some information. One day you wake up and you've been in the same position for 15 years. Now, do you see that doctor every day? I hope not, because if you do, that means you're ill, right? The reality is maybe you see a doctor once a year for your annual checkup or maybe twice a year if something happens along the way, but you build that relationship and it's a it's a rental relationship for lack of a better term. You don't have your doctor on staff, on your payroll 24 seven. No, you use your doctor when you need him or her now, and you build up a relationship with this doctor. This doctor collects tribal knowledge about you, you know, your medical history, you know, what's ailing you, et cetera. And over time, it's a mutually beneficial relationship. It's good for you, the patient, because you're getting high quality care, high quality service. And it's great for the doctor because he's got repeat business. He's got a happy customer that keeps coming back. So that's been going on for how long? Maybe since the beginning of mankind, right? So why is this so far foreign concept? In corporate America, it's the same thing. And I think as the knowledge economy continues to dominate, as software eats the world, as they like to say, this is going to be the way it is.
0: I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, The Alchemy of Truly Remarkable Leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Yeah. And so, I mean, if that is um, the way it's going to be and In my mind, it's it's just going to be more and more that way. Like the the you look at the trajectory of the gig economy over the last 15 years, and it's it's close to an exponential curve. Uh, And I haven't seen any data um, post pandemic to see like what the jump was during the pandemic, but I I expect that it it jumped even further. And so in the coming 10 to 15 years, I mean I suspect this is just going to grow dramatically. And we know. That uh, there's quite a bit of research on, you know, young millennials and Gen Z uh, individuals in the workforce who, you know, disproportionately are leaning towards the more flexible approach to work. Not in the, you know, they're not looking for their traditional careers, their traditional jobs. A lot of them want to be digital nomads. They want to go wherever they want, when they want. Which means, you know, it, it kind of necessitates. This gig economy kind of an approach. So many of them want it that way. More and more organizations are recognizing the benefit of it. Um, So we're just gonna we're gonna need to learn how to do this better. Um, The general contract kind of framing I think is a really excellent way to frame it because what that means is we need people with you know if I'm in a big corporation and I want to leverage you know renting quote unquote renting experts. I, I need to have the skill set to be able to do that effectively. Now, in, in certain um, arenas, you know, there's been people doing that for ages. But like you said, in corporate America, that's not as common of an approach. So we we need people, we need to train up people and develop the skills to be able to do that effectively to manage those relationships. Um, and it can be complex. I mean, if I have a if I'm a manager, and I have a team of you know, five, 10 people, it's hard enough for me to be able to like manage relationships and, and keep track of what everyone's doing and help them to be productive. But now I'm more of a general contractor role, um, being the internal expert. Now I need to farm out work to, to people. I might have dozens of people that I utilize. Um, and, and that adds a layer of complexity. You know, maybe complexity is the name of the game in business generally these days. I think we just need to be more and more comfortable with more and more complexity. But certainly the type of role that we're talking about, that's not something that most people have had a lot of experience with. And so we better start to figure it out and learn how to do it really well. Otherwise, we're going to find ourselves in trouble.
1: Yeah, I mean, let me share some stats with you that we've collected over at Collective 54 that confirm everything that you're saying. So at the end of 2019, so a little dated here, but 2020 was a unique year, let's call it that. Um, There were approximately 1.5 million professional services firms just in the United States. These firms employed 9 million people and there was $2 trillion spent in professional services in that year, 2019. And the organic growth rate is 5% per year. These are stats according to IBIS World Reports, which is a leading market research firm. So that makes it one of the biggest segments in the economy. Um, and that's just U.S. figures. If you take those figures to the other parts of the world, the numbers even get even more dramatic because many of other parts of the world are um, leverageable, global, decentralized workforces um, by design from the get-go. I mean, if you just think of the IT services sector in India as an example. So um, you know, the, it's here. It, it really is. And it's, uh, it's no longer a new thing. Um, so what I, what I like to focus on now is, is what a wonderful opportunity this is, right? So if you're a professional services firm serving corporate America in this way, my gosh, I mean, talk about a once in a lifetime opportunity. I mean, it's, it's such a demand rich environment, you know? So the question for your listeners that might be in that field as the service provider, how do you capitalize on this opportunity?
0: Yeah. And capitalization, I, I think really is the key point there. Um, you know i i am trying to think as i've had conversations with so many different executives and professionals over the past year or so there's not very many that seem uh, every now and then i'll I'll talk to someone who doesn't seem to get it but like 99% of everyone i'm talking to they get it they understand what you're saying they're just not sure quite sure how to get there. They're not quite sure how to go and implement it and to do it effectively. you know. And then there's a rare, the rare person who's just kind of dip putting their head in the sand and just trying to pretend like things aren't changing. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, ah, things are never going back to the way they were. I'm sorry, um, you know, regardless of what your preference is. But, um, but yeah, the, the implementation piece, I think, is really the challenge. And it really does present an incredible opportunity for those who can figure out how to do it right. Um yeah. You know, I have a couple people that are real, I'm close with, um, who have been like going like gangbusters this last year because they're they're tapping into exactly what you're talking about, and the, I mean the the amount of success that they're having it's it's kind of mind boggling. And I'm slightly jealous, frankly, of how well they've been doing, but, you know, good on them for finding the need and being able to tap into it and, and and to really find their niche where they can help out. And that's what we all need to try to do if we're going to be relevant, right, in the future of work. Um, and we can't just assume that things are going to be like they've always been in the past. Um, that's naive, certainly. Uh, and it's it's not, I, we're just, it, it's not, uh, sustainable uh, strategically, it's not sustainable, and we're going to find ourselves behind the eight ball. Uh, you know, as we're you know trying to to catch up to these trends and, and catch up to what other firms are, are seeing and tr- actively trying to do and you know implement right right now.
1: You know, I had a conversation with a member of Collective Fifty Four the other day that was both enlightening and highly entertaining. Let me share that briefly with you. So, this question of how do I take advantage of this opportunity? So let's say I am a professional services firm and I, and I hear this podcast and I realize there's so much demand out there and how do I participate in it? So one of the members said to me, two things, avoid paying dumb taxes and buy idiot insurance, <laughs> which I, I laughed at hysterically. And, he, and he, he referred to Collective 54 and its membership as idiot insurance. At first, as the founder of Collective 54, I was offended by that. But after he explained it, I, was, I realized it was a, a term of affection. So what Collective 54 is, is a peer-to-peer network. So you become a member and you have access to people like you and with firms like yours and jobs like yours, et cetera. And you can learn a tremendous amount, you know, by talking to your peers. Hey, hey, Joe, I'm running into this problem. What did you do? And Joe might have an answer, that type of thing. So he says, you join these peer networks and there's many of them. There's Vistage and EO and YPO. I mean, you, in mastermind groups, this is not a novel thing. And you join these, network, these networks to avoid paying dumb taxes, dumb taxes meaning mistakes that I could avoid. And the dues that you pay to these organizations are idiot insurance. You pay a small amount of money every month to have access to your peers so that you can pick up the phone and say, hey, Joe, what are you doing with XYZ? So I think, you know, to your question, how do you figure this out? I think access to a highly curated network of peers is super important. And because of technology, I mean, Jonathan, look at, look at, I'm in Aspen, Colorado right now. Where are you?
0: I'm South of Salt Lake City. Um, I wish I was in Aspen. <laughs> <laughs> right?
1: So, but, but here we are because of technology, you know, to network with peers used to require geographic proximity. It no longer does. I'm in Colorado and you're, you're in Utah and we're networking and collaborating today. So if you can plug into these networks, it's a, this is a, in my opinion, that's a silver bullet. That that answers your question of, you know, how do I figure this out? Well, jump into a network with others just like you who may have already figured it out. Don't pay any dumb taxes and, mm-hmm. and buy some idiot insurance.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, there's no, this is a new evolving thing, right? So there's no like handbook on how to right. do this. I, I suppose I could probably go search Amazon and someone's probably written something. <laughs> so maybe there is like a handbook, but I mean, really this is something that we're figuring out on the fly. We're, we're building the plane while we're flying it. And so, yeah, get connected with other people who are also trying to figure it out. It's a mutually beneficial opportunity uh, for people when we we have those types of connections like you're doing. Uh, So I think that's a tremendous resource. Well, Greg, we could go on and on and on. I think there's so much to unpack here, but I'm mindful of the time. I recognize that um, uh, you'll need to get going to your next thing. But before we close today, I did want to make sure I gave you a chance to share with our listeners. How they can get connected with you, uh, how they can find out more about your firm, uh, how they can leverage it, like utilize it more uh, to to benefit them and their organizations. And then give us the final word on the topic for today.
1: Sure. I appreciate the opportunity. So I would I would direct your listeners and watchers to a website, collective54.com. And that's the number five, four. Um, And that's a membership organization for founders of professional services firms that are trying to grow, scale, and exit their firm. So that would be the first place I would go. Uh, The second thing I would do is I would go to Amazon and buy my book, hopefully. It's called The Boutique, How to Start, Scale, and Sell a Professional Services Firm. And then also you can look me up on LinkedIn at Greg Alexander at collective54.com, and you can connect with me there and And I love getting those, that outreach and, uh, and meeting new people. So, you know, don't feel as if sending me a, uh, a request on LinkedIn is intrusive on my privacy, quite the opposite. So I would encourage everybody to do that as well.
0: Perfect. Perfect. I encourage listeners to reach out, to get connected, to find out more about collective 54, more about Greg and his team and the, the work that they do and how they can help you. Um, Greg, before we close any final word on the topic for today,
1: you know, my, I guess my final word would be, you know, you, you. Uh, at the start of the call, reviewed my bio. um, And, you know, I was somebody like you, I I started scaled and sold the firm for nine figures in 10 years. And if you're trying to do that, I encourage you to go for it. I, I truly believe with every ounce of my being, that we're in the golden era of professional services industry. And as they say, make hay when the sun's shining and the sun is shining very bright right now. So if you're out there and you're listening to this and, uh, and you're looking for a little inspiration, hopefully the, my words of encouragement can serve that purpose. You give it all you got because this is a once-in-a-lifetime chance.
0: Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you, Greg. It's been a pleasure. Again, I encourage everyone to reach out, get connected. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week.